Father, thank you again for the opportunity to speak and share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to any that would hear and listen to what is said, Father, because it comes from you. Thank you for allowing me to be the conduit for this. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me in that allowance. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. So some things we're going to talk about, and I know it's going to get some people get their knickers all twisted. I, you know, <laughs> I have to admit something to you. I kind of, I almost, I, I do hardly enjoy sharing the word, but um adversely i enjoy the fact that it's um to some it becomes so controversial so and i say that because the reason i share that and and i actually enjoy that is because then that means that people are hearing what i'm saying they're actually listening to what's being said and it's playing over and in that analytic pothole that we call our minds they're they're actually got their got their motors stuck because they got jammed in that pothole but putting them in that position their minds are are racing around what's being said here's the thing too though you have to understand because i say that because hearing and listening are fundamentally different they're uh i've noticed though that in the dictionary, they try to make them synonymous. And the reality of it is that they're not synonymous. I mean, they allow the same fundamental actions from these things on the side of our heads called ears. And, um, but hearing is the physiologic, the physiological aspect of this thing that we have on the side of our head. And listening is the psychological application of what we've heard. Well, what does that mean? That means that you heard it, and the words that are shared mean something to you, and they've sparked the, uh, the intellect. They've got you thinking about what's been said. That's why I said what I said. And sometimes folks will be in such a race to figure things out that they head over and they hit that intellectual pothole and they get stuck and then they wind up just revving and they have no place to go. So now they're in that deep ponderance of what was said. And that's okay. It is okay. And I heard something yesterday. And I'm going to share with you because I think it's awesome. Now, I know that some folks are going to get their knickers all twisted up over this. And that's okay because my Lord went through it. And when he tried to get the Sanhedrin to understand and hear what he had to say, they just got all sorts of upset. And they were declaring things about Jesus that weren't even close to being true. Such as blasphemer liar, deceiver, sorcerer, witch. Jesus was called a witch a couple times. 
and that he was using sorcery. And when he was healing people, he was using, uh, what was the one? Oh, uh, a matter of uh, a mass hypnosis. That's one that's kind of my, kind of like my favorite because, um, not that he couldn't do it. I mean, if he wanted to, the Son of God. But that isn't what he was about. He was about truth, compassion, kindness, and love that he brought with him when he came down. But I heard this, and, and I thinking of God, my Father, which he is. And some people get all twisted up because they have this very straightforward, straight-laced, uh, they've got their garter pulled so tight. And unfortunately, they've got their garter pulled so tight, their spine so rigid, that when they look at people, they look straight down the end of their nose. And the millennials will wonder, oh, what's he talking about? What does that mean? Well, what that meant was back in the day, many years before you came into existence, they would say that about disrespectful, mean people and those who were haughty in nature like the Sanhedrin. Thinking themselves better than our Lord and looking down their nose at him and trying to disrespect him and belittle him. People that, people will tend to do that. And I've seen it. It's unfortunate, but they still have a chance to change your mind, to turn around, to repent, and change direction. Remember that that word. I love that word. I learned that word. I love that word. Teshuba is Hebrew for repentance. What it literally means, and the word repentance also means this, is to change direction, to turn around. The word teshuba is Hebrew. It means to turn around. To repent. That's what repentance is. Turning around, changing direction, and the vision that Jesus gave to John in the book of Revelation, he was talking about that. Talk, and talking about the seven churches and the one that Jesus had an issue with because the things that they had done were all good, but they were what he was trying to get the disciples not to do or those 70 that he sent out to heal and, and help people and they came back and they were all bouncing around they were all giddy about it but see Jesus did Jesus rebuked them for a reason and Paul has done the same thing is that we don't want to think ourselves as having done it and there are many people that <coughs> pardon me that actually believe that about the salvation the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that you take yourself and you save yourself and this is what this is that false doctrine and false teaching that I'm, I'm sharing with you about. Um, and even those self-help gurus that claim themselves to be Christian, they self-proclaim themselves. And other individuals, they get them to believe that they are indeed Christian, but they are not, or they're teaching false doctrine because they too have become lost in a fog. They're lost in a daze. And, and you can't be that if you're teaching people to do it on your own. We were saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus who 
came and manifested himself as a man, walked on this earth so that he would have empathy for us and complete understanding of what's going on with us. He created us, our heavenly father. But I heard these words. I fell in love with this song because it's reality. Abba Yahweh, our heavenly father. And the Holy Spirit and the Lord is, is allowing the deliverance because it's reality, it's true. And you can get your knickers all twisted up if you want, and you can sit uncomfortably, twisting and turning in the seat. But remember this, I've told you and I've invited you this, try my spirit. And the Holy Spirit will tell you, if I'm not speaking the truth, then all you do is you push the delete button. You don't have to listen. You don't even listen. You don't click on the Lion of Judah in the silhouette of our Lord with a crown of thorns on his head. Don't click on that. Don't. That's, that's uh, anchored in the word of truth, the haven of truth. Don't do that. Don't you dare listen because if you listen, you will then heed what's being said. Okay, so remember there is a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is the physiological aspect of hearing the noise and the little anvil, they call it in your ear, uh, makes a vibration and you can tell different pitches. That's physiological. Listening, listening is the fundamental difference. It's used to, toward both ends, but listening is the psychological aspect, meaning that your brain is working. When you hear these certain notes and pitches and sounds, your brain starts working and says, wait a minute, I recognize that. That's a little town of Bethlehem. Oh, that's oh, come all you faithful. Wait, I recognize that. That's Brahms Solabai. That's, that's, Beethoven's seventh in G minor. You recognize things that becomes psychological because you're not just hearing it, you're listening. You're listening. So when I share these words with you, it is truth that comes from God, the Holy Spirit guiding. And I ask him to guide my speech so that I can get it to you straightforward and you understand and, and that you Listen, you don't just hear it, you listen. So hear this and listen to what I'm saying. Try to understand. Keep up with me because sometimes I know I get going. So I heard this. And the sad part of listening to this is that there was a, uh, and I'm unsure if they were claiming to be Christian or if they were at a, if they were at a, radio station or what, I, I have no idea, but they kept interrupting the playing of this song that was presented by Dolly Parton. It's a, it's a new song that she did. And they kept interrupting and they were kept interrupting and talking about Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton. Well, maybe that's what they were getting paid for, but that's okay. But the thing that they missed, the thing that they absolutely missed is that when she was asked, the very first thing that she said was that I had a dream. God gave me this. God presented this to her. 
God presented it, but they kept skirting that. I, and I guess they were afraid they weren't, they weren't upright in his righteousness, which, which happens. That's okay. It's not a, a fault. They, they can change that. They just need to pray and the Holy Spirit come in and strengthen them. And that's okay. I mean, they, they're out in that public place and, you know, stations get paid by certain people to do and act a certain way. And if they don't make that, then there can be problems. But here's the thing that I had, and, and this may, may become controversial in your brain housing group, but if you listen to what's being said, and then I'm going to share some things with you that come out of the Bible. So her song says, last night I had a dream about God. He was standing on a mountaintop and looking down around in such dismay. And in my dream, I heard him say, don't make me have to come down there. My children, you had best beware. If you don't pay attention, consequences will be dire. Don't make me have to come down there. I've told you time and time again, you can't disobey and hope to win. I am still the boss here in case there's any doubt. You know I put you in this world and I can take you out. Don't make me have to come down there. You've always been my my cross to bear. I've let you try my patience as all good fathers do. You're on my last nerve. I have had it up to here with you. I gave you a book. You didn't read it. You didn't read it. I gave you my word. You didn't heed it. You didn't heed it. I gave you a map. You said you didn't need it. You said you didn't need it. And now you've lost direction and you're wandering aimlessly. Don't make me have to come down there. Don't make me. This is not a game of truth or dare. Don't make me. Now I don't want to punish you, but if it has to be, this is gonna hurt you more than it hurts me. Don't make me have to come down there and bridge this great divide and make repairs. Go to your room and pray till you can learn to play fair. Don't make me have to come down there. Politics, earthquakes, erratic weather, pandemics, war, and hate. Turn a deaf ear, a blind eye. And I am wondering whether I should take my Bible belt and whip you into shape. Don't make me have to come down there, my children. You had best beware. Clean up this mess and put on something decent to wear. Don't make me have to come down there. Don't make me have to come down there, my children. You had best beware. Why can't you learn to listen and learn to love and share? Don't make me come down there. Don't make me have to come down there. Don't make me have to come down there. Were you just hearing what I was saying or did you listen to what was said? If you were listening, and some of you might remember 
may remember, and of course there are those that just don't care because they didn't pay any attention to, to dad anyway. And, and, and you know what? That's sad. It really is. And this is what God is talking about. When I was growing up, my earthly mother and father, they were, they were, they were strict about rules and things. I was, I was taught to respect my elders. I was taught to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, please. You should respect them. Now, oh my gosh, you have, you have kids that are attacking elderly people, people that are in their mid to late 60s and they want to get, and they want to shove them. They actually want to put their hands on them and push them around and then they want to fight them. And these, we're talking about kids that are juniors in high school and beyond and they think that makes them tough, that you have uh, an individual that is in age beyond what they and and have been to places that they only read about in a book or may have heard about if they were paying attention in history classes. I had I had something took place in my life some years ago that was really actually caught me off guard and very surprised that there were there was a group. There was a group of high school kids and there were several that were within the group that were trying to be that way. They're, they're dodging and trying to be the cool ones. But on the other side, there were most of the group were trying to be respectful when they noticed that I had, um, I have a nameplate that's got a magnet on it and there's an American flag on one end and I have my Marine Corps emblem on the other end. And there were some children that took and they paid attention to that. And they began to ask questions. And the ones that were being smart mouth were actually put down by the others that were saying, hey, this guy's been somewhere and he did something so we could go to school and we can have freedoms. So knock it off. They were rigidly, firmly put in their place. They weren't disrespected, but they were given, they were given pause by the others in their group and they were actually asking me. And what surprised me most is they had never heard of a place called Vietnam. <laughs> one of the most, hmm, one of the wildest places and lasted for quite a long time. And there were many thousands of men and women that were killed in that place. But they had never heard about it. It was never discussed in history class. And one of them even said, hey, I, I saw that in a book one time. So they asked questions. They were respectful. They didn't ask about killing or dying. But they wanted to know about this place. And I, I touch on that because as I was sharing in that song and the lyrics, and is sharing here that there's some points in here that there's, it talks about this. Why can't you learn to listen and learn to love and share? This is the, the Holy Spirit comes to bring these things. And God has given these things to us so that we can, we can show out, shine out that thing that he's put in us. Without his love in us, we, we can't do that. And many do not do that. 
Um, <laughs> and for some of those older ones, older folks out there and, and being of that millennial age, it's not a bad thing. It just means that you're not going to remember some of the older things that I'm sharing and talking about. That's okay. Just ask about it. Learn about it. Use it for a learning point. So, would well, here's some things. If we weren't, uh, if we were cutting up or acting out, we were down the hall and gotten a little too loud because we were in our room supposed to be getting ready for bed, but mom and dad both knew that that was going to take a little while and it was not a big thing that we just couldn't be playing tackle football in our bedroom. Sometimes we did. <clears throat> but you would hear dad at the end of the hallway, don't make me come down there. And then through the giggling and laughter and trying to suppress that and, and being that we were like, Ooh, what was, what was too late was the boom, 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 the footsteps of him coming down the hall. But it was always preceded was don't make me come down there. Don't make me get my belt. That was the other one. But here's the thing that, that we got going on that, that the Bible tells us about the earthquakes and all these things are going to happen, all this in diverse places. It talks about the, it talks about pandemics. The Bible talks about that. It talks about wars and rumors of war. It talks about the hatred that there is to one another. And look what, look what the Sanhedrin did. They wanted to put Jesus down. They want, they were blaspheming the only begotten son of God that came and manifested himself here as that. The word of God, the truth of God that was with God from the beginning, it was in God, part of God and came down here, manifested as Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God coming to share the truth. And as he put it to them, you wouldn't know the truth because you don't speak the truth. You speak the language of your father. And they didn't like that. And he wants us to be fair with one another. He tells us to be that. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. So if you tell somebody yes, then you make every possibility, every possible effort that you're going to do what you told them you will do. And if you tell them no, then it will be no. You don't, well, no. And then, well, maybe. Yeah, okay, and then you give in. If you say yes, it will be yes, and you make every effort to make it take place. And if you say no, then it's no, because it's something that shouldn't be done, and you know that you shouldn't do it, and the Holy Spirit has told you that it should be no, but then you make this bend and you you uh, you trespass. Trespass into a place where you shouldn't have gone. And remember that, and this is not a bad thing, go to your room and pray until you can learn to play fair. And what does the Bible talk to us about? That you don't take your prayers out on the street corner and make this big bowing up and down, bobbing, weaving thing, and you draw attention to what you're doing so that you are seen of man. And what does the Bible tell us about that? It tells us that we have received our reward because what we are doing is so that man can see us and it's not for God to listen to our conversation. It's for a show. It's not meant. 
And as God is sharing, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the game. I've never played the game myself, but I know that there is a game that's been around for quite a long time. It's called Truth or Dare. So um, someone will say, and then you as a member of the game can either dare them or truth or and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's not a game. It's not a game to be played. God is telling us and he's trying to teach us. And remember what I've shared constantly is that every trial and everything that happens, remember that God is with us and that it is for fortification of our faith. It is to strengthen us in our walk. That is the purpose so when God tells us that he's going to give us a whooping, maybe you need it. And you get spanked a little bit, but here's the thing is that don't, don't demean it and don't put it down. And the Bible talks about this is that when God does that, we have a tendency to want to grumble and gripe at him. We think, oh, we're an adult. We don't need that. We don't need him to do that. It's not anything like God. I mean, God is sits up there. He's got his big, long, white beard, and God is love, and everything's hunky-dory. Look at all the flowers and everything, la-da-da-da. You have those naysayers, and you have those that declare the truth to be of doom and gloom, except the fact of it is the fact of the truth is, and the empirical evidence that is presented is that what is being said is not doom and gloom, and it is in the Bible. It is in the Bible from the front to the back and the back to the front if you reword it and you seek, reread it and you seek his truth. You will know that what is being shared is the truth and that Jesus himself told us about the wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and divers places. And the Bible talks about those things that will be, uh, where is that? I believe that's in Romans. Our, if you read our adoption letter in, the, in Romans 8, I believe it's in Romans 8. Uh, oh, I can't remember what the verse is, sorry. But it talks about how good will be said to be evil and evil will be said to be good, and that there will be individuals that will teach that way, and that it's absolutely wrong. And that we are told by individuals, but they are going to pronounce lies, and they're going to share things that are meant to be shared as truth, as lies. And we need to be aware of those things. All that God has in his book for us is for truth and knowledge and understanding. And just like, just exactly like the song says, I give you this truth, my knowledge and wisdom in my book. It's called the Bible. Simple title, but that's what it's about. Could have made it a longer title. Could have made it a more prestigious wording, but he didn't do that. He said the Bible.
Oh, I just made up an anim an anagram for that. <laughs> Sorry, I just I my he allowed my mind the Holy Spirit allowed my mind to drift over there. Because I believe his love is everlasting. Interesting. Some of you might not think so, but that's okay. Because he gave it to me and I shared it with you because he allows me to do that sometimes. Because I believe his love is everlasting. My Bible. And it tells me in my Bible that is truth. I gave you a book and didn't even read it. You didn't even read it. You don't crack the page. You don't, you carry it with you. Why do you carry it with you and you don't read it? God knows why. We may look and see it and I find that exercising your hand and turning the page and, and I'll be perfectly honest that sometimes when I can't remember and, and God allows that I use this little electronic thing as a tool to help me get to a location and find it because I I'm, can't remember things, but the words of, are what are of import. And this tool to be used as it was meant to be used for and not to allow the prince of the air to manipulate and change direction that you're going, which is what he does. He was given that title, that pseudonym, he was given that title, Prince of the Air, because of his manipulation. Brothers and sisters, if you don't think that he's manipulating this little device, you see people that are walking with this thing stuck in their face. They pay no attention to automobile traffic or anything that's going on around. They pay no attention to um, individuals that are walking in front of them. They pay no attention to directions and they don't want to talk to anyone. Ask directions. Say, could you tell me how to find? Oh, yeah, you go up two blocks, turn left, and it's right there. They, they want to be in this little thing that this is where all the answers are. Well, this is not where all the answers are. I have found the dictionary to be, for those that think that they have all the answers, they want to put it in there and for you to go to that. And Google doesn't know everything. There are places where it's been seen that it's absolutely incorrect. I mean, totally incorrect. But anyway, God gave us this book. It's his truth, his infallible truth. And the empirical evidence that has been given to me time and time and time and time again shows it to be his truth. He gave us his word. Oh, this is an important one right here. What is he talking about? He gave us his word. That's not just a promise that he's made. He gave us his word. What are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus, our savior, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us, Christ anointed of God, bar Joseph, who was born of man and woman on this face of this earth. The word of God, the truth that was with God and in God from the beginning. He was manifest 
and made flesh and came here and hung on the cross. That's the word that God gives us. And we don't want to hear it. We don't want to heed what Jesus came to tell us. We don't want to pay attention to it in the Bible because you don't even open the Bible. I have seen and witnessed so many times that people will carry the Bible with them. And then when they sit, they set it on the bench next to them. They don't even open it. For some I get it, and I understand that some can't turn the pages that fast, so you have arthritic hands and things like that. I, I get that. They feel of a comfort to carry the Bible with them, the Word of God. They, they feel for some reason that if they're doing that, then, then they, can, they can feel that God is with them. So in that part, I get that. I understand it, and that's okay. But there are some people that carry it just because they think that it's going to rub off on them. I've shared this with you before. They think that if they carry it, then there being a better Christian is going to rub off of the Bible or that when they walk in the dogs in the neighborhood and they go by a church and they have the Bible with them that somehow it's going to rub off on them and it doesn't work that way. And he gave us this, this map and, and let me tell you, in the 25 years that I drove 18 wheelers and went from border to border and coast to coast, I'm glad that I had my and I love it. I'm, I'm going to throw a plug in the Thomas Brothers Road Atlas, which is, for me, it is the absolute best road atlas there was in the market. And it's the one that I used because it was awesome. It had indications of road closures. It was the most up-to-date. So, and every year they had, oh, I take that back. I think they did it every quarter. Can't remember now, but they were the they were the ones who kept up mostly. And God has given us a roadmap. So if I had gone through my time in that eighteen wheeler and I said I didn't need a roadmap and just went willy nilly on my way, which when I first started I I had to learn about these things. And then I started carrying a little Rolodex, and I I gave up on my on the dispatcher who we could contact. We had these little computer gizmos, but it was really a pain because many times the dispatcher didn't even know. So I started carrying this little Rolodex. And in my Rolodex, the companies that we went to all the time, this is, this is a learning process. I learned to keep them in there and I could look them up alphabetically and I could pull up their card. It gave me the directions. I started out with a major highway, and then when I got closer and closer as I went down the index card, then I got to the more local directions, and I kept my Rolodex up to date all the time in that. And when certain customers were that we didn't go to much anymore or not so often, I just put them in a kind of a miscellaneous place in the back. But the thing of it is that this road map that God has given to us It is his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom that he wants to share with us all the time. And if you follow regula fideli, remember that's Latin, it means rule of faith, front cover to the back cover, back cover to the front cover. If you do that, you're going to get the directions that you need. But as it says in the song, gave you a map, you said you didn't need it. You didn't need it. Now... You've lost direction and you're wandering aimlessly. Are we not wandering? 
Oh, brothers and sisters, if you don't think so, let me tell you this about that. We are wandering. Look at the hatred, the derisiveness. The, the, they want to erase history. They want to erase all these things that are going on. They want to declare untruth is truth. Oh my goodness gracious, things that happened that are that are recorded there, now it wants to be erased. Ah, oh, that never happened like that. It didn't happen like that. It happened like this. And they want to erase and change everything. As he watches us from heaven, he didn't want to come down. He declared that when he was talking in heaven and speaking of that. So we cannot deny that God is sovereign. As you said, I'm still the boss here in case there's any doubt. I am still sovereign Lord. I created everything. And as he declared too, he says it differently in the Bible. It's a little, it's a little more rigid here. I put you in this world and I can take you out. He can. And I thank God for his grace and his mercy that allows us to continue walking. See, his grace allows us to draw the breath that we, when we turn over in our bed and we get ready to get up, that we should be the first fruits. I have mentioned that before, that first fruit, that first thing that comes out of your mouth should be thankfulness, praise, and worship, and then we go on our way. Come to his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with that thanksgiving and praise as we cross in the courtyard. And then when we enter his temple, then we worship God because he is a holy God. He is sovereign Lord God and he made all things. He created all things and by him all things are created. And by his hand, all things consist. We don't just sit on a shelf like a pot that he make because he is a potter and we are the clay. We are his precious mineral and gems by his hand and his sovereignty and his knowledge and will that we are polished and made. And you understand this, you have people that whine and cry about all this stuff that goes on. Let me share this with you. This is an important and a fundamental thing you have to understand. Yes, I'm sipping my coffee. So here's the thing you understand. When you see all that beautiful jewelry and all that stuff that's in there, where do you think that comes from? How do you think it's made? First of all, you have somebody that's knowledgeable on how to mold it, manipulate it. Thank you, Father God. Do you think it comes out of the ground and then you just dig it out and it's like that? No, when you dig gold, sometimes you will find a nugget or a piece that is out and open on its own. Why do you think that the minor 49ers were panning gold in the streams. And they have to do it a certain way. Gold is heavier than everything else. And when you swish it around in that water, it, it sinks to the bottom and that that you swish it because that sand washes away the, the dirt and the things that make it ugly and nasty. And it sinks to the bottom and it can be picked out. It can be seen. And sometimes it can't be seen. There's certain, there's certain ores. And when the, the miners that were digging gold... They knew that certain things were to be visible there. And um, the miners learned that a certain kind of quartz that was in the ground, 
and these veins, they call them veins, it's just where it grows in, and you can see it meandering through the soil, and when they find this, then they know, wahoo, this is what we've been looking for, and then they pull these, and that is all put into those little tram things that they push out of the mine, if you've seen some of the old movies, and they take them out, and then all that goes to a grinder, and that's ground into a pulp, powder, sand, what you will, and then it's shaken and washed and stirred, and then the gold starts falling out of this. There's a process. So part of that is in the shaking and the grinding and the knocking around. But here's the other thing that you want to whine and cry about the trials and tribulation and things. The purest gold goes through fire. That slag is melted, high heat so that the gold itself turns molten. And that slag and the gold sinks. It's heavier than any, any of that stuff. And that slag can be pulled away and then the gold can be poured into a mold or depending on what the process is, it might go through the heat again so that it makes sure that the purest of the gold is all that's left. And that slag and that dross or as some people term it, is taken away. The best wine has dross and it has, a, or sometimes it's called the leavings. And as God talks about this, he's told us time and time and time again, can't disobey and hope to win. Israel, read some things and reminded of of this thing here and it's it's very sad because I know what the history behind this idol is and that uh, this this false god this false deity Baal or Baal depending on how you want to pronounce it because it's pronounced a, a number of different ways and that it's a false deity and a calf was one of those things that when you come to him you pray through the golden eye. This is what Israel did. They were turning to that. And when they demanded of Aaron to make this golden calf, because Moses was up on the mountain talking to God too long. So it made them agitated, nervous. So they wanted to return to the worship of a false deity that they had that was visible to them that, that was there. But if you remember what happened, when God's prophet was on the top of the mountain, he says, okay. And this is where God has a sense of humor. Of course, Elisha took this a little, little far, but that's okay. <laughs> but he's out there, he goes, okay, I'll tell you what, you, you Balaamites or whatever they call themselves, but they were followers of Baal and, and Jezebel, how she had, was the queen of, of the king of Israel, Ahab, I believe it was during that time. And so he allowed that to happen and she came in and many of Israel were worshiping that golden calf, that false God, that false deity. And just like when God told us, he said, you chose to disobey. So you went that way and you were following that golden calf because it was there, but did it do anything? And as he challenged him and he brought them out, he says, okay, here's how we're gonna do this. You're gonna take, we're gonna whack a bullock. You're going to take a side of beef and you're going to throw it up on your altar. I'm going to take a side of beef and throw it up on my altar. 
And we're going to worship God and see that the true God is going to answer with fire from heaven. And you go ahead and you dance around and prance around and do all the things that you want to do with your false God. We'll see what happens. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to soak my sacrifice with water. I'm going to pour water all over my altar. And I'm going to pour water all over my altar that I established to worship my Lord God, who I know is real and true because my faith tells me so. And he has shown me so many times. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to soak the altar that we put up here for him. And we're going to soak the sacrifice in water that we brought for him. And we're going to fill a trench all the way around this with water that we put around that altar that we built for him and a sacrifice that we put on there for him. We'll see what happens. And if you read the story and you know that on the top of Mount Carmel, that Baal didn't answer. Why? Because he's a false God. He's a false deity. He's not real. So he has no way to respond. And the word of God came down in the form of fire, consumed both, consumed all that was on that altar in fire. So then, of course, the prophet Elisha came with his guys and they whooped up on the false teachers and all that. But here's the sad part about this portion of that biblical story there. Baal and Israel actually took part in this. Uh, uh, one major sacrifice to that false deity is that they would sacrifice their children. And they would burn the children. They, would, they had a, a pit. And they would cast their children into the fire. Sacrifice their children. So for my thought process, no wonder that God didn't like that deity. And it's no wonder that he got agitated with Israel, and, but he stayed his anger. But here's the other thing that we have to be aware of and promised, and, and it's promised from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible in numerous places. Here we have in Genesis 28, 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Brothers and sisters, he promises that he is with us wherever we go. In Deuteronomy, now we go five books later. You have in Genesis, the first book. Then you have in Deuteronomy, he talks about, do not be afraid. I am your Lord and God. I am with you wherever you go. I promise to be with you. And we see that again when we go to Joshua and Joshua's going down the path into the valley of Jericho and he encounters a man who appears to him as a man, has his sword out, but he's not, he's just opposing him visibly. He's not swinging the sword around to fight him. He's just there. And they have a conversation. And the conversation comes out from the truth. Have I not commanded thee to be of good courage? 
Be not afraid nor dismayed, for I, thy Lord, thy God, am with you whithersoever thou goest. And we see that again in the book of Isaiah. And we see it again in the book of Psalms. David talks about that. And we see it again in the New Testament. And Paul has declared that several times. And Paul talks about our armor that God has given to us. And we need to remember that that is given to us by our Lord God Almighty. And that he's just not going to come down here and whoop up on us and beat us on our sinful tail ends because Lord knows and he does know that we are deserving of that. But the thing of it is, brothers and sisters, quit your whining and crying about things. And if the shoe fits and wear it, don't get your knickers all in a twist because I use that word that as a generality most many, many times, a lot. So when I say you, I'm not talking about you specifically because I don't know you specifically. I've never seen you. I may have met you and you may know of me and you may listen to this word, but it is his word, his truth and his knowledge and wisdom that he shares with me to give out to you, to hear it, to listen to it, and take note and change your direction. If you need to repent, then do so. And if you're following the words, then don't get all twisted up and agitated about it. Just keep going the direction you're going. Use this as, a, as a, an encouragement to be in the word, to learn the word, to study the word, to show yourself approved. And if you need a redirection, then get in the map book, open it up and pay attention because he's there to show you. And like I shared that the, the Thomas brothers, man, they updated that thing so often it was, it was kind of hard to keep up. They were a little pricey when you saw them in the, in the uh, truck stop. And, but you know what? Let me tell you this. It was well worth the cost of that even in that time, because they were so up-to-date and so, man, they were just so accurate. They showed all the restricted roads and where you couldn't drive because there were restricted highways out there. There were some that were smaller than the interstate, but you weren't allowed to take the big trucks there because there were overhead wires that were there. There were too many, uh, was too residential and roadways were restricted because they were too narrow, too small. And when you went to make a turn on the road, you covered the whole road. And if you had oncoming traffic, there would be collisions. And this atlas, this roadmap showed all these things. And it showed if you had to take a detour. It even showed if things were under construction. It was pretty incredible. This road atlas that we have that God has given to us so that we know our direction and we pay attention to that road. Man. Oh man, it is awesome. It tells us which way to walk, which way to go. And if we heed the directions in that map, we are going to be good. But remember too, that it's very important that we need to pay attention to the word of God. In Genesis 28, 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9, I am the Lord thy God. Have I not commanded you to be of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for I am with you whithersoever thou goest. And remember, this is also important. When God tells us whithersoever thou goest, doesn't mean from point A to point B in a linear direction like you would find in a roadmap. 
It's also in our emotional highs and lows and things that affect us in many different ways as we walk in this life. He has promised that he's going to be with us. He's on us when we're on the mountaintop of joy and happiness and dancing around. And when we drop to the valley of grief and sadness and we're there grieving for the loss of a loved one that was so near and dear to us and important. When I went to the funeral of my one-time father-in-law, so we had two different emotions and, and directions that were going on there. I was, I was pleased to come and respect the man that I, I came to love dearly. He was such a good guy. And even all after the things that I erroneously did not follow and do, the man was forgiving and loving and just an awesome man to be around. But it was, it was heartfelt. It wasn't a game play. And then, of course, you have you have those that are not forgiving and you have those that want to hold on to that and keep looking in the past and how they want to remind individuals that you're not changed, you're not different, you're just like you were, blah, and just hold on to that thing that the devil wants to hold on to. Remember, the devil, the devil is getting us to do that. And then that anger, remember I've shared this with the foundation stones as well. When he starts putting those in there and you start allowing that to be built, then you will come to resent other people. You will throw judgmentalism right out there. That's, that is on your altar in your house instead of the word of God being there that you take and you study and you follow that. But here's the important and the fundamental difference between individuals. You keep prayer, you pray over and you love and you declare that over them. So none of that other stuff matters. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter. They want to hold on to it and make it something solid to matter, then that's entirely up to them. Remember this too, that, that Jesus shared in, in Matthew when he was talking about this and the, the the disciples that were with him there were talking about the best and the stuff and you know, we're going to do, we're going to go here tomorrow. We're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to do that. And what did he share? Matthew six thirty four. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough issues on its own. Each day has enough problems. And don't try to go beyond because the thing of it is that God has already told us. And this is what we don't want to pay attention to. God told us that he is there. He's going to walk with us. And each day, God's already gone through it. God's been through this day with me already. He knows that certain things are going to happen and take place, but he's going to walk. I have to go out in this bitter cold, and it's really nasty cold out there, but I have to, I have to go take care of some business things that, that really need to be done. And, uh, of course, I'm going to pray about it real hard before I get out into it. Pray also for me. So if I need to do this, I, it might be this thing that I'm trying to figure out on my own. Is that necessary or do, is that something that needs to be done? So God is with me this day that he has made and walked through and he knows. And I pray this every morning before I get up out of bed. And when I tell you that I pray for you, am I going out, am I coming in? My going out is before the start of the day is that I have a talk with God. I pray for your strength and uprightness, courage, and being <clears throat> bold to share the truth. 
as I ask for that in me, but y'all come first. And then I get up and go through the course of the day. And when I come in, my coming in is when I lay down to go to sleep. And I talk to God. I pray for your strength, your courage, your boldness. And there's individuals that are needing some things I have. I have a companion who has been diagnosed with cancer and her children are are really, they're having a struggle with it. She's a co-worker. I mean, not a companion like we hang out. I just know her from work, but it's important enough that we treat each other as if we are brother and sister and friends to me because the Bible tells us to do that. This is important for her because she's somewhat distraught, but she's concerned with her children. This is important for her, for the strength and courage. And my oldest son's mom, for her courage and strength, we are in close proximity to the same age. And I love this woman. She gave me a beautiful child. And her forgiving heart, her loving heart, awesome. That was, incidentally, that was her father who passed. And the Lord was with us in that in that valley of grief that we were in, but he was with us. And it was a good time. So as I share, my start of the day, the end of the day, the close of the day, and God's promises that he's with us all the time, it's, it is an awesome thing. And I love that. You are... In my prayers, how am I going out and my coming in?